Because the foreign wars we wage More to do with the colors blue and red You said you lost too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread Right across the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made sense And I won't be ruled by the dancing wind Taking your rights to self-defense They say you're safe but they don't make sense Broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and glad to be with you. Yes, indeed. And it is Wednesday. And is the norm on Wednesdays. That means that tonight we are joined in the first hour by the purveyor of the Edwards Notebook, the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience, uh, the man who is defending the seven pillars of civilization. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Great American patriot and my friend, Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, once again, thank you for joining us, and how are you doing today? Very well. I'm doing very well, and I just wish our country was doing as well as I am. Well, uh, you uh, you've got a point. Uh, let's 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 jump right in. Uh, obviously, the uh, the biggest piece of news is the uh, ridiculous legislation that's being referred to as COVID relief. Uh, that uh, it managed to pass the House, then it passed the Senate, then it went back for our uh, little. Uh, Effort to coalesce the bills together, the reconciliation process, they call it. And now that is done. It's off to Senior Biden's office uh, where he has announced he will 
put his little rubber stamp on it on Friday. Uh, first and foremost, I'm a little surprised he's waiting till Friday because they've already promised these checks are going to go out. But uh, just just looking right at this, Ron, what we've kind of talked about it before, but let's let's revisit it. What's your general thoughts about a bill that's supposed to be helping the American public and small business that? 90% of it is simply going to fill the so-called progressive wish list. Well, the question is how best to slow down the United States economy and destroy the value of her dollar. What's the answer? The uh, one pretty- point, the 1.9 trillion dollar American scandemic rescue bill. Well, I was going to say pretty much everything they've been trying to do since uh, Biden was installed, but uh, yeah, but this is the this is the capstone, man. It's um, a tragedy. It's a tragedy that, uh, and you know, we have uh, a situation where 61% of Americans approve of this this action, and it just shows you how asinine the mentality is of most people in the United States. Most people they are, and you have to blame years of indoctrination. People have been stupefied to the point where they don't understand. Um, I, you know, I'm surprised that people can look up at the sky and understand they're looking at clouds and, and, and things. I mean, they're, they're so stupid in this country to support this in mass. Um, just because they may get $1,400 uh, per person, or a family of four gets fifty, six hundred dollars in direct payment. And see, what they don't understand is that everyone would get a lot more in the long run if they would just reopen the economy. And I, in many states, are. But unfortunately, as Texas, I think it's the latest major state to fully open. Unfortunately, because of what uh, the Biden people have done, <clears throat> these states are opening up into an economy that is being basically re-shut down, not because of the Corona China virus um, clampdown, but because of, uh, I don't know, how many regulations, the Keystone Pipeline situation, and because the American people don't understand. See, when, when, when uh, Biden did that, the majority of people don't understand that he doesn't have the authority to shut down the Keystone Pipeline. The only reason the pipeline's shut down is because the people that are building it, those that own those companies, are also also globalist pigs, and they went along with it. And it, and and because of the American people, it has been portrayed as just Biden, da da da. No, it's more than that. And unfortunately, because you know it's dealing with states' rights and things of that nature. But as more people start learning about what's in the dark, doggone Bill of Rights, and some other very important papers, they'll understand that we've been had, and they could have legally continued building that pipeline, and there would have been nothing that uh, Mr. Hey, where am I, could have done about it. Well, that is, of course, true. Uh, However, uh, like you said, the American public… However… <laughs> However, the American public doesn't seem to be uh, in a position where they even understand any longer uh, what the nature of an executive order is. Uh, we've been ruled, and I use that term in its broadest possible sense. We've been 
governed, I suppose would be a better term, uh, by executive fiat uh, for the last couple of administrations because Congress has failed to do anything even remotely resembling their job. Uh, We've not had an actual budget put in place for administrations at a time now. We've not had a legitimate effort to pass laws that meant anything in Congress. And uh, we basically just had the judicial branch trying to enforce the leftist ideology and uh, and cheap executives without much option but to try and make whatever change they're going to by the force of an executive order. And everybody just wants to pretend like it means something outside of the executive branch. Uh, we, you, you hit the uh, the point. We've got to push back, and we've got to get more people understanding the whole nine here. A lot of people are already facing huge, huge ramifications from them not moving forward with the Keystone XL pipeline uh, in the uh, in the. Uh, form of higher energy prices. We literally were energy independent. Energy prices were dipping, and the cheaper energy is, the cheaper everything else is. It doesn't cost as much to transport. It doesn't cost as much to make and manufacture. Everything gets cheaper. And in contrast, when energy costs go up, everything becomes more expensive. And then you throw on top of that all the ice water being thrown on the economy, the buying power of the dollar shrinking by the second. Uh, yeah, right. we're we're headed towards an economic collapse, which is part of – part and partial – the <clears throat> Great Reset, uh, which is the only reason why these companies went along with it. Uh, it's important to protect their social score rating. And uh, yeah, as far as somebody like ExxonMobil and uh, ConocoPhillips are concerned, uh, this is great for business. All of a sudden, their stock prices are going back up. Uh, they're back in uh, the uh, business of paying huge bonuses to their executives instead of trying to figure out where they're going to scrape uh, the money from uh, yeah. to maintain their lifestyle. But anyway. Uh, but I just wanted to say just something else. If If great states like Texas, Florida, and the others that are opening up South Dakota, and 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 I'm speaking of most of the states though uh, that have large economies, whether it's Ohio, which is about three quarters opened up. Uh, these states, if they did a little thinking, they could independently become very wealthy again and not participate in this madness, and their their individual. Uh, populations could be very, very prosperous in, in short order, despite the fact that those people within the 10 square mile of uh, the capital district is trying to kill this nation on behalf of their Euro- European uh, globalist overlords and, um, you know, for the reset. So I think Governor Abbott, uh, I think they're aware of that, people like that, uh, Ron DeSantis. If they're even if they're not, they're acting like it because they're doing the right thing for their populations, and they're benefiting. And it's it's almost like uh, you've got the United States and you've got several other countries in in a sense. And we forget that our states are independent. The only thing that's supposed to be holding us together in regards to to this is the federal government is supposed to be protecting us overall from enemies, both foreign and domestic. Uh, major things like that. But other than that, 
uh, for the most part, the um, the federal government has stepped out way beyond her bounds. But most people are ignorant and they don't understand it, and so they allow themselves. They continue to say, "Hey, give me the lash. I want more of the lash of big government." And whatever it uh, it happens, and they grab the ankles and they say, "Hey, screw me some more." So, um, and, you know, they're volunteering for this now. Yeah. And you have people like Manchin. Um, of West Virginia who pretends to be this moderate and he's played this game over and over and over again and people play fall for the same thing well I'm not going to support this bill unless you have Republican input that's not right knowing doggone well he was going to support the thing in the in, in anyway turns out the Republicans still had very little input in the in the doggone thing and what does he do he passes it, even after saying that it's not a bit exactly the best thing for the for the country. And he was called out by it, uh, about that, by the governor of West Virginia, because this bill will offset the benefits of the recent tax cuts in West Virginia, which was stimulating its economy. It, for the first time probably in West Virginia history, was setting – West Virginia up for massive economic growth. And now this kills it and slaps her right back, right back where she was near the bottom of the economic pile in America. And it's slapping the United States overall down, with the exception of a few spots like Texas and Florida and South Dakota and a few other places. So I, it's it's <clears throat> I hate the fact that uh, the American people have to continue to learn these lessons over and over again, but it's more difficult for people to learn lessons if they're too ignorant to catch the hint. If they don't know nothing, they got that mixed up. They don't study. They've never studied. Most people in this country have never, ever read the Bill of Rights. I, I, w I would venture to say, Tim, that 90% of Americans have never read the Bill of Rights from end to end. Very short document, by the way. And because of that, here we are. Yeah. I, mean, I just – I've got nothing to add to that. You, you summed it up perfectly. Uh, it does come down to a failure on the part of people to understand basic, simple, fundamental principles, uh, simple uh, economic principle. The more something costs to make, the more something costs to transport to the location you can get, the more it's going to cost you to buy. Uh, the more a small company has to pay an entry-level position, the fewer entry-level positions there's going to be, uh, hence the minimum wage for anybody who might have accidentally come across this show, not a normal listener, and not able to follow what that means and references <laughs> to. Uh, yeah, over and over again. There's a million and one examples, and we continue to see each and every one. And uh, another good example, too, is where we are currently at simply with this notion that uh, Joe Biden is actually in a position to do anything with the force of law without Congress behind it. And just simply bouncing around and saying, oh, yeah, you go, Joe, that's not the same thing. This, The last couple of weeks is the most active we've seen our Congress, and I couldn't tell you how long. I mean I, I don't remember a time they've been this active and moving things this much, this quickly, trying to move forward. 
we we see the dangers in place of first this so-called COVID relief bill. We see the dangers involved with HR one as they move forward trying to nationalize elections and end any real actual election, trying to basically turn this nation into a banana republic once and for all, where Democrats maintain control. And then we've got the uh, H.R. 127, which is uh, full-on gun control of each and every level. We've got the PRO Act, which will do away with right-to-work laws in states and basically destroy the gig economy wherever it may be because individual contractors suddenly find themselves in a position where they can't continue to work. Uh, it's astounding, and the whole time with a smile, they pretend to be trying to help the American people. And other than a few voices out here in the wilderness, some conservatives with some level of understanding, I'm not hearing much of a pushback at all. And there isn't going to be one because most of them have uh, are just uh, ignorant. And then you have the other quarter that are in agreement with all of this because they're thinking mostly they're thinking mostly about uh, their immediate gratification from the handout heaven, which they think that uh, will, will will change their lives, which it will not. It'll it'll give them uh, a quick bump. And uh, then it's all over. And then what are they going to do? And by the way, because of this um, this bill, that uh, adds to the deficit, which is already 102% of the gross domestic product. Our deficit is bigger than the uh, gross domestic product. So when you have a situation like that, it is a miracle that the economy has not already permanently collapsed and that uh, we're all not rolling around with wheelbarrows full of dollars just to get a loaf of bread like they did in, in Germany before the Nazis went to, went to Nutsville. So this is all by design, and, and you and I know this. Um, they dummy down. They, 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 it's, it's, they work together, hand in hand. The government school system dummy down enough people over and over, generations, and they don't know none and got that mixed up. You've got nasty Pelosi. You have all these people doing what they're doing. You have the church. I don't know what it's doing. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe that, that madness. Um, being basically nothing in society, but a pain in the backside too. So you have this wonderful salad of, of stupidity called America now didn't have to end up this way. I mean, there was a portion of us who were fighting for what is right, but the other side got their way. The other side was allowed to have what their, their cake and eat it too. And so now we're left with a bigger situation to deal with and to overcome. The pedophilia rings now are have been given the green light to go back to doing what they're doing. The uh, Human trafficking people have been given the green light to return to their uh, positions because Biden got his way. Um, and so that is where we're at today. And um, if you want, you know, I don't want to sound like sad sack all night. You want to know something funny? I would desperately love to hear something humorous. <laughs> okay. Geraldo Rivera, you know who he is, right? Uh, yes, sir. 
He's considering running for the U.S. Senate. <laughs> okay. I'm sure he will find about as many votes as he uh, found uh, items in Al Capone's vault. <laughs> he's, he's, he's considering running to replace Rob Portman, another rhino, out of Ohio. When I read that, I said, oh, my gosh. Oh, by gosh, by golly. Here we go. Um, so here, here you go. I mean, that's the quality of people coming forth now to run for office. I mean, the guy bothers me every time I see him now on uh, wherever I see him. And, um, oh, Lord have mercy. Well, I thought that would be a little funnier than it is, but uh, I tried. Uh, uh, it, it, it was it was a worthy attempt, sir. It was a worthy attempt. I did chuckle, so so it counts. Um, uh, changing topics real quick. You mentioned Texas earlier. You mentioned some of the things they're doing. Yes. We've seen Florida and Texas not just fight back on the economic side of things, but also uh, trying to fight back against the censorship uh, roles that are going on too. Mm-hmm. I, I saw today, uh, and uh, I. I don't know if you had a chance to see it or not, but I'd love to get your take on it regardless uh, because you'll know enough from from the headline I'm going to share with you. But I saw today where now Twitter, uh, Jack Darcy is, is Dorsey or whoever, is uh, moving <laughs> forward. They're trying to sue the Texas uh, attorney general because the Texas attorney general currently is running an investigation into violations of Twitter uh, – Revolving around the permanent banning of Donald Trump and the treatment of Donald Trump uh, from the beginning because uh, they weren't allowing him to block people from his personal account, not his presidential, an account he had well before he ever became a candidate, which seemed to be kind of against the rules of Twitter as they uh, laid it out. But at any rate, I would just love to get your take on why – uh, Twitter would feel the need to try to sue a state attorney general just because they're investigating them. Well, here's the thing. I have er- observed the left, the technical left, the political left, the church left, get their way for, I don't know, 60 years now. The te- technical left, uh, more recent because uh, they weren't around 60 years ago. But at any rate, they've, they've been getting their way for a long, long time. And therefore, the um, Texas situation has infuriated the people at, at uh, Twitter. It's, 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 a, it's a how dare you movement. That's what it is. It's about how dare you challenge what we're doing. We went after the president's um, First Amendment rights. And how dare you investigate us? We're above everyone. We see the the, the, the high tech people, Twitter and, and and the rest of the gang, they think that they're the new watchdogs of America. They think they are the ones who are to dictate the direction our nation goes. Unfortunately, Congress has not been doing a very good job in its own right thus opening the door to such madness. The tech giants should have been dealt with in these regards years ago. We knew this was coming. 
and here we, you know, so the AG in Texas, they, they've got to continue with their investigation, and they, I think they have to countersue. They have to get find some very nasty lawyers that understands the law and understands the ins and outs of the uh, bills, Bill of Rights, and they might have to uh, reach into the Federalist Papers. I think page uh, 145 might be uh, one place to go, but they really have to do their homework and fight back against this because this is something that's um, – when it comes to the tech people, it's kind of new, but then again it's old because we've had this kind of stuff with um, – all the way back to – what's his name? Uh, John Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller. When there were things that he did back in his day and used his influence to change directions in our in our country, and it's the same thing over and over again. What makes this even more egregious is that they are much more entrenched on a personal level than the giant oil industry of the past was over America. These people, everyone has a cell phone. Everyone as a flat screen TV and um, everyone uh, goes to these sites to communicate and, and, and they have their algorithms and everything like that and they can actually use their electronic powers to oh I don't know help dictate the outcomes of elections and, and all of that so they're very powerful and in some instances especially now they are more powerful than the government. Our government is not very powerful, in my opinion, especially if you look at the head of it. I mean, this guy got, uh, Biden got confused yesterday at a, at a hardware store. You saw that, didn't you? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so now, now there's mean, our, our moment of humor, by the way. <laughs> So compare that, compare that to just a few months ago when Trump was kicking their ass on every level. He was kicking the globalists in the backside. He was putting China back into its place. He convinced Kim Jong-un, Rocket Man, to start changing his ways. He was getting them to make nice in the Middle East. Because of him, America was energy independent, and by now, our oil, uh, gasoline prices probably would be less than $2 everywhere throughout the country. More like a, about 175 a gallon. The way things were trending right. and, and everything. And so he was destroying all of the madness. He had stopped. The pedophile rigs, where he was stopping them, things were being brought to a close. The human trafficking, they were, he was putting a big uh, hurt on them. The creepy elites could, were, were, were running out of their adrenochrome uh, supplies to drink. And so you had all these situations. What a blessing this guy was, Trump. And you had, oh, he, oh by the way, Something that is supposed to matter to God, he was very pro-life. He protected the least 
of these. Hmm, interesting. But we see what has been allowed to transpire. So, the high-tech people got their way. And they're doing whatever they think they can do. Texas, like she has done in the past, that's why she's the Lone Star State. She has to go it alone. And fight this situation. It's like the Alamo all over again. So, but on a big, bigger scale. So, Tim, I, I, I'm not saying that the fight is over, but it's 100 times more difficult because the allowing of this evil mass to resecure its position via the White House and elsewhere in this country. So, why it was allowed, I I am not intelligent enough to answer that. And the answer I do have, I don't want to say because I don't want to get myself in big heap of trouble. <laughs> well, let's let's just leave it at this is still part of the Great Reset, uh, and I, I'm going to continue to hammer that home over the course of the next several weeks until I know people are taking it seriously because the only way to even slow it down is for enough people to be made aware of it, and then maybe it will scare some folks into backing up. But let me let me pull a, a, a Miss Saki and, and circle back <laughs> around uh, <laughs> to this because – we are seeing a push by some of these governors. Florida's done really well, and uh, Texas is doing it too. But uh, this idea that Twitter would have to sue uh, the attorney general of a state because they're being looked into, to me that indicates that they've got something to hide, and they're trying to cover it up. Uh, I don't have a problem with platforms having protections from liability uh, if if they're just being a platform. As soon as they become a publisher, they shouldn't have those protections anymore. You want to start taking editorial control over whatever I put up on a social media platform? Mm -hmm. Well, then it's not me doing it anymore, so I'm not really responsible. I can put whatever I want, and it's your fault. Uh, they should face those consequences, but what I really want to know is your thought on the idea, the concept here that these companies, Facebook and Twitter in particular, not that every other social media site wouldn't love to be in the same position and have the same market share, but <laughs> these two set themselves up by design to become the public square. Now, I am all about private businesses being able to have their full control, do business with who they want. Uh, freedom of, of association. But when you cross that line, when you move beyond the Rubicon, so to speak, once you become something more than just a private business, and you did it because uh, part of your plan all along, once you become that public square, you then have to abide by the same general guiding principles of the nation in which you operate. Uh, freedom of speech, freedom of expression now does become paramount. Uh, initially, I was all about, yeah, as, as long as these companies would apply their community standards <laughs> equally, that I would be okay with it. But the more I thought about it and the more I realized that not only have they become that public square, how we choose to communicate, uh, how information is actually disseminated, more people getting their news from those sources than from actual news sources, uh, the more I, I come to think that maybe the standard should change at least on 
in their case. So I would love to get your idea on whether or not they're still entitled to be treated like a private business or if because it was by their own design, not just the choice of the uh, people that utilize their service, since they've become that public square, if they shouldn't be held accountable to the same freedom of expression uh, and their freedom of association should maybe uh, be limited, to say it diplomatically? I Well, they've stepped in it as far as I'm concerned, and uh, Texas is doing the right thing. And to the two tech giants, I say, who in the hell do you think you are? And I think Texas needs to take that approach because, as you so aptly pointed out, how they have become publishers. They're no longer just an open platform for discussions and people expressing themselves and whatever. They've gone way beyond that because they only allow expressions of from those who are in agreement with whatever standards they deem as necessary or they're fact checkers because you 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 don't always know whether even where they even stand on a particular issue but if you say something on Facebook next thing you know you'll get a little communication well if we see this again your um page will be limited severely limited or you'll lose it or what your account or whatever i've i've had that many times and so based upon the fact that they still try to portray themselves as a place for as a public forum for freedom of expression but that is not what they're they're doing i think they're walking on um brittle legs here that will crumble under the the uh, the, the bright light of a real good trial. And by the way, if you're going to sue Texas, what if Texas countersues? And in these kind of situations, evidence has to be brought forth. And then there's going to be a discussion and a description of what is a public forum? What is a publisher? What is free speech? What is a, based on the First Amendment? And see, all these things will be brought to the fore, and I think um, if it is done right by the, the Texas attorneys, those who are representing Texas, I think that uh, Twitter and Facebook will be very sorry that they wanted to tangle with Texas in this regard. But they've got to do it right. They just can't go in, woe is me, la di da da No, they've got to come in with the facts concerning the harm they are doing to, to the American people via the destruction of uh, their First Amendment rights. Now, if Facebook and Twitter come out and comes out and says, "Well, we're publishers," then ball game over. Then we just look to another uh, site or whatever and keep it moving. But since they continue to say with a straight face. Mark Zuckerberg and, and and some of the others with a straight face, they'll get well. No, we do, we we do, we don't uh, stop people from expressing themselves. Uh, you know, the blah blah blah. But well, that's what that is what they do. So I, I agree with what you said, and um, I think if the attorneys, the def the defense attorneys, do a good job, this will work out in our favor because it'll all be brought brought out into the open. 
prayerfully we will not get into a situation where you have a judge that will block evidence. As you know, Twitter and Facebook are going to be lobbying and say, well, that has nothing to do with uh, da-da-da. We've decided that that's not, you know, and, and if you have a liberal attorney, I mean a liberal judge, they can say, well, we will not, that will not be allowed to be admitted as evidence and this, that, and the other, because they do that a lot. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I really do agonize over the philosophy, though. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. on, on the one hand, I, I really do believe that a private business has a right to freedom of association. I really do. Yeah. And, and if they do jerky things, uh, their customers have a right to go find somebody that does the same thing that's not so jerky. The problem is when something like that happens, like a new uh, social media platform, less I, I don't know, let's say Parler, for example, or you can even say Gab for that matter. When they say, okay, free speech, We're, we will take down horrific things, but outside of that uh, – you're free to speak your mind. We're not going to penalize you. What happens? Well, you know, we heard from the left over and over again. Well, if you don't like it, go build your own. If you don't like it, go build your own. We do. What happens? They purposely go out to destroy that. I mean, the parlor is back, but they still can't get their apps into app stores. So you have to go directly uh, through a web browser to get there. Uh, a lot of people seem to think that's too hard. I don't understand why. Uh, <laughs> But you know that's again that dumbing down of of America that uh, we were discussing earlier. But uh, when we look at it, and again, partially because it was their intention all along, when you move into that position of becoming the town square where the discussions are supposed to happen, then you have done something beyond being just a private business. But even then. I would have I would have probably been okay with them doing whatever they wanted to do if they just would exercise their community guidelines but evenly Tim, across the board. But they won't. Go ahead. Tim, here, here's here's just a little bit um, to add. The fact that they tried to help dictate the outcome of the election by what they allowed or did not allow. In the communications, in the so-called free exercise of the First Amendment, when they would block people that were telling the truth about different things that were going on leading up to the election, when the information was coming out about Dominion, and I forget the other name, the name of the other major company that, that has these um, electronic voting machines in this country. And so when this was coming out, what did Facebook and Twitter and others do? They blocked it. So when they're doing stuff like that to help people in, in their, on their side politically, see, they're, 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 they, in my opinion, they're the ones who are bringing in a dictatorial philosophy. Yeah. So they're helping out Nasty Pelosi and, and people of that ilk and trying to harm another. Whereas if you're truly about free speech, you're going to allow all sides to communicate, and no matter how stupid their ideas may be according to you, you're going to allow it. 
because it's about ideas. See, one thing about free speech, you can say whatever you want to say, but no one is forced to listen. And that's what people forget on the left. Because it's not that they just don't want to not listen. They don't want anyone else to listen. And see, that's where they step into a hot mess and and cancels out what you're saying about their, their, their right to operate as a private company because they're helping, and they did, help to destroy Trump's reelection. Yeah. And and because he was elected, but because of the foolishness that they helped with, it was stolen. They lied, they allowed lies. So, I'm sorry. They have stepped beyond. And whatever happens to them, cuz you I'm on the same page as you are about, you know, going after company, private companies, but see they help dictate the direction of the government. So they t- they put themselves knowingly as a public ally of the leftists and globalist pigs in America to help destroy this country. You, so, you, you literally don't have to look any further than the full-on suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, to see that they willfully and knowingly – uh, suppressed information from the public, information that we found out after the fact would have changed the voting habits of a sizable number of people that did vote for Joe Biden. So even if you're one of those uh, way out lefties that don't believe the election was stolen, uh, well, first of all, you're wrong. But even if you are one of those folks, there was enough of a change uh, and folks that would have voted differently, they wouldn't have voted for Trump, but they wouldn't have voted for Biden, that it would have changed the outcome of the election across the board there alone. So, yes, you don't have to look any further than that. Uh, another topic I really want to try to get into before we uh, let go, and it kind of goes along with uh, this, is we have now entered the age of the memory hole. You know, We've seen efforts from the left to do this already. Uh, but now it's like full speed ahead, obvious examples. It, it's becoming very concerning for me, the blatancy. The most recent example is when a reporter was asking why were there so many National Guard troops stationed uh, at a certain courthouse where a certain trial of a certain law enforcement officer, former, uh, who was accused of committing murder uh, <laughs> that led to riots all summer long. Uh, I do I, do I have to say names? Derek Chauvin, <laughs> in regards to George Floyd, uh, but you know, just in case somebody's not following, but. We've already had this uh, position where why are there so many National Guard troops there? What do we need those people for? Uh, There was a response on Twitter that showed pictures of the riots that took place directly after, and then there was a big denial by multiple media people that these were unsourced, undocumented Pictures. There's no way of knowing where it's from. This is probably right-wing terrorists pretending to be Antifa people. It's like, good lord, all the pictures were 
recognizable photographs from national newspapers. Uh, not that they're necessarily a great source to be trusted these days, but that's just a recent example of something that just happened, that there's no way anybody should miss. But what concerns me more is this idea of moving truth completely out of the memory hole for the agenda. The, the most disconcerting example right now, are you familiar with the book Up From Slavery? Yes, I am. Um, been a while since I cracked it and, and read it, but yes. Okay. Well, I have to admit I have not read it. It, it was on a list of recommended reading I've never gotten around to. Mm-hmm. But as you know, it is an autobiography from Booker T. Washington. Correct. Now, on the copyright page… Over the course of the last several years, they have changed some of the information that's placed on that copyright page. Now, previous to about a decade ago, it just did your typical regular copyright page materials with dates and so on, and the, the realization that it was an autobiography. Then about a decade or so ago, they changed it to – including a little statement of saying uh, – we're not certain, but it's possible – now I'm paraphrasing because I don't have it right in front of me, uh, but I, I saw this. I said, uh, we're not certain, but it's believed some of this may be uh, fiction. Uh, we're not cer- certain. Now I'm, I'm pretty sure that Booker T. Washington was pretty certain <laughs> about what his life was like. I, I'm pretty certain that we knew what had happened previous to that. But now, Ron, if you were to get a new edition printed in the last two years, where that little um, where that little stipulation had been put, now it states that "Up from Slavery" is a work of fiction. Now, it's been so long since I read the book; I I was not aware of that. Um, but. Even just hearing it for the first time, I'm not surprised. Right. Because part of this, whatever you want to call it, memory hole, whatever, part of their effort, and it's very, very maniacal, very evil, is to wipe out and discredit history, especially, especially that type of history. Because, I mean, these guys, these people never give up, do they? Um, the globalists that were around, even during the time of Booker T. Washington, and they there were globalists. They were just called different other things. Um, one of their attack dogs, W.E.B. Du Bois, used to purposely misrepresent the methods and the and he used to purposely mis- misrepresent Booker T. Washington uh, to try to paint and paint him as a buffoon, um, coon, whatever. And this is, uh, to me, what you just described to me is a modern-day version of that because they hate their their side and their black attack dogs hate almost as much as they hate Donald Trump, 
blacks like a Booker T. Washington. One of the things he used to say was to prosper where you are. Meaning, don't always run around putting yourself in a position that you need the white man for everything. Don't beg him to take your, don't get the government to force him to take your dollar so you can sit at his lunch counter and chew on a, 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 a hot dog. Get your own and then you will be respected in society. Educate yourselves. Build your own, your own schools. Have just like everyone else does. Just be normal. W.E.B. Du Bois and the others and, 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 and you know his white masters they always wanted to see blacks in a certain position. Yes, you can succeed even, like a LeBron James. But don't you dare, do you not dare try to be, think you're smart and uppity and use your billions of dollars to try to create manufacturing and your own movie-making enterprise or things of that nature, or we will take care of you. If we can't kill you, we will blast we will just blast your name into trash like they did Michael Jackson before they drugged him out. So this thing is not new. It's just d different methodologies because of the, the change in technologies and, and, and the ways of doing things. Right. And, you, when you, and, and like I said, I did not know that particular thing had been changed in that book, but I can guarantee you that was the motivation behind it. Why would you, why would anyone now change a copyright and saying that the stories, the, the bio, autobiography of Booker, Booker T. Washington is now fiction? Because well, they, don't, they don't want you to know that such men, especially back then, we're doing what they were doing. Right. And as a further example, it's not just limited to men. The whole idea here, I don't even think that there's so much as a racial tenet here, although it is a story that helps to dissolve that racial divide when you see that, yes, it's possible to have been born a slave and still become an extremely successful person in this country. But they're kind of doing the same thing uh, right now. Uh, with uh, Helen Keller, there is legitimately an <laughs> oh effort. Now, Helen Keller was a leftist. I I'm yes. not a big fan of her big by time. any stretch. But to pretend as if she didn't overcome a lot in her life and did it mostly on her own, she led a phenomenal life given her handicaps, uh, her physical disabilities, uh, however you want to PC say it. I don't care. She She had problems in communicating. She was deaf and blind, a tough spot to be in. But she did amazing things. But now, again, because she proves by virtue of existing that you can do a lot of things on your own, and they want to program a lot of young people now believing they've got to have the government to just right. survive. There, you go. there is a legitimate effort to convince young people now that Helen Keller never existed at all, that she wasn't even a real person. Well, see, it's part of the orchestrated effort to just get rid of uh, what used to be called um, rugged individualism. Yeah. Frederick Douglass benefited from that. He died a very wealthy man for his time. And, and, and see, that 
that convinces convinces Americans to allow the government to make it more difficult for you to exercise rugged individualism and make it in this country. They they want to wipe out the equal opportunity um, blessing here in this country and then turn around and tell the dummies, well, you see how, how it's so horrible here in America? You can't do well here. They'll, they, they've got the blacks thinking one way. They've got the people like Helen, you know, the Helen Keller story. It's all about destroying rugged individualism and independence, the concept of independence. Because the more you have your wits about you and you and you understand that you can make it in this life through opportunity, the less you're going to even think about depending upon the government, the less you're going to be sitting around waiting for a $1,400 check from a stimulus package. The less you're going to even care about something like that. And they don't like that. And how dare they think, oh, wait a minute. While, at the same, while on one hand, they don't even want you to call a person handicapped today. I don't know what the new name is, but you know they change everything. You can't say retard anymore or anything. You, I, I, I think they're getting away from even saying blind. But, or is that next? Um... But there are people who made it big time in this country who had all of those problems or situations. It's not a problem being black, but a problem of being blind, like in Helen Keller's case, blind and deaf. Like you said, that is a tough spot. But see, if these, these stories are wiped out or made to look like fiction, then you don't have the example anymore. You don't have the inspiration. You don't have those inspirational stories. It's a lot easier to convince everybody that you do, in fact, need the government. Uh, Ron, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Uh, we we are out of time. Uh, I completely skipped the mid-hour break, uh, mostly because I knew we were going to be hard-pressed to get these topics in as it was, and I was correct. But I want to give you just a, a moment or two to please let everybody know where they can find your work before we say goodbye for the evening. Well, thanks, thanks, Tim. You can check out the Ron Edwards American Experience uh, every day, or well, six days per week, Sunday through Friday, on Mojo five five zero or five zero point uh, dot com rather um, at three p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can also catch the Edwards Notebook um, on hundreds of radio stations overnight uh, via the Captain's America Third Watch. Um, via Salem stations and many independent outlets throughout America. You can, of course, catch the Edwards Notebook during Tim Tapp's show, uh, as well as many other shows. Uh, K-Star Talk Radio, you can catch my show on that network um, Monday through Friday. You can also catch the Edwards Notebook on K-Star Talk Radio um, as well. And you can also catch um, the Ron Edwards American Experience Talk Show on the Nevada Talk Radio Network which covers the entire state of Nevada. And you can read my columns at News with Views, and we'll be, we'll be, be returning in a few weeks to America Out Loud with my weekly columns as well. And there you have it. All right, sir. As always, I greatly appreciate you uh, taking some time out of that obviously very busy schedule and spending it with me. I look 
forward greatly to our next opportunity to sit down and talk. I want to thank you personally again for having me on your show this past Sunday. Uh, couple of times fairly uh, close together here recently, and I, I'm honored that you would uh, do that. And I want to maintain uh, the goodwill towards you that you continue the good work and uh, continue to grow and continue your success, sir. And the same to you. Thanks for having me on, and it's always an honor. And uh, thanks for your audience for putting up with me today. And, uh, you know, just... Uh, Let's, as Americans, you know, we see all that's going on and it's not too good. But remember, there's one who's better than all of us who has our backs, and we must remember to depend on him. And if we do that, I think we'll end up in a, in a good place. All right, and that seems a good place to end this hour. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as is often the case, this show is rebroadcast on terrestrial radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, for example. And uh, they typically play it in one-hour sections. So we're going to reset the hour right about now, but we're saying goodbye to Ron. If you're one of the people right now that I am saying goodbye to for today, please remember, whatever else you take from the show, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take those other guys' word for it either. Uh, a lot of them are lying to you especially Joe Biden, <laughs> but uh, take some time, do your own homework, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and you know, be smart even if it goes against your nature. Uh, if you're here live, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. above the gun Hear the wind Across the plain There is no fear That I must contain And I'm in the eye Of the hurricane I see the sweat Across his brow in eternal now The fastest one Is the one who's slain I still stand Got the better aim And I'm in the eye of the
Because of foreign wars we wage More to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damned of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Rome County, Tennessee, and so very happy to be with you. Uh, today, back in the first hour, had my usual Wednesday guest, Ron Edwards, and now very proud to follow that up here in the second hour with a uh, semi-regular guest. Uh, it, we've had kind of a large gap for a little while, though, but recently we was on, and glad to have him back. He is a, well, it's an understatement to call him a prolific writer, uh, but I will go with that. He is a radio and television personality as well as a radio host. He is a spokesperson, and he is a guru, to, to put it mildly. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Dan Perkins. Dan, uh, as always, thank you so very much for joining me. I appreciate your time. I, I, I don't know how you manage your time as expertly as you do. I know I say that uh, at least once every visit, but uh, I am mm-hmm. in awe of you, sir. You, you manage to, to do more than most people do in a month uh, within just a couple of hours' time. So thank you for being here. As always, I appreciate it. It's, it's, uh, thank you. Uh, I always enjoy being with you, but it's, it's somewhat of a curse, Tim, because when your brain doesn't stop, uh, and you feel like you have to put it down on paper. I find myself sometimes writing two or three commentaries in a run, 
uh, in an evening or an, in late in the evening, early in the morning. Um, and then I don't write for a while, but it's, it's, it's kind of, I guess they call it the muse. When the muse strikes, you got to do. And if you, if you have ideas, if you don't take action on them, you'll lose them and you'll never know what could have been. So I just, when something comes my way, I've got to go all out to try and figure out what to do. Absolutely. Uh, we need more people with that mindset, quite honestly. The muse is there mm. whispering to everyone, but too few people take any action. So uh, congratulations at least for that. Uh, now, last visit, uh, I had mentioned something, and we haven't seen a whole lot of foreign policy. wanted to get your idea uh, in regards to how we were going to see things play out in the Middle East, and I want to circle back to that before we're done tonight. But before okay. we uh, delve into anything like that, uh, clearly uh, the big news story is the reconciliation package of the so-called COVID relief package has been done. It's on its way to uh, the resolute desk for Joe Biden's signature at this point. Uh, haven't had a chance to talk to you about this monstrosity of a currency devaluating uh I don't even think there's a sufficient word. I can't come up with one right now. It is just a horrific plan that's uh, being passed off as uh, an aid bill. Uh, so <laughs> at any rate, I uh, want to get your thoughts on first the bill itself and uh, what you expect uh, will be the direct result from said bill since it seems to be a done deal at this point. Well, um, first of all, it's – supposedly positioned as a COVID-19 relief bill or stimulus bill. And in reality, um, something less than 10% of the bill goes directly to COVID relief. The rest of it is all pork. Whether we're, we're giving hundreds of millions of dollars to museums or $1.4 billion to India or just to provide money for foreign abortions. None of that has anything to do with COVID-19 and the pandemic in the United States. None of it. Uh, and, and the American people have been sold a bill of goods, but I, I've been writing in the last uh, few weeks about some of the provisions. Let me, let me just take you to one of the most interesting to me, one of the most interesting conflicts in this bill. This is the third COVID relief package. The two, now that it's, it's passed, the total amount of money allocated for education, K through 12, in the three bills is $282 billion. $282 billion. The story is that it's designed to provide the funding to create the opportunity for the schools to be able to be opened, fully opened. Now, let me give you, and I, I realize, Tim, that talking numbers on the radio is sometimes the kiss of death, but I, I'm compelled I have to do it anyway. We know that the federal government, Joe Biden, told us that by the end of April, 
we will have 600 million doses of the vaccine in inventory. He just ordered today another 100 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson single shot. So we'll have enough vaccine to inoculate over 400 million people. There's a little bit of a problem there. We only have 327 million in the United States. Now, so we're going to spend, we're, we're going to appropriate 280 plus billion dollars to get the schools ready. This is what we're told for having them being reopened. Now, the CDC spent for the, the uh, Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, spent $40 per course. And the course is two shots, $40. If you go on the web, you can find out that the total number of classroom teachers, teachers' assistants, food service workers, janitors, bus drivers, secretaries, principals, administrators, coaches, total of all the people employed in education in the United States public sector is approximately $6.7 million. We could spend $282 million and vaccinate every child excuse me, every worker in the public education system in the United States and give them immunity 95% of the time. 228 million dollars versus 282 billion dollars. So why didn't we just as the president recently suggested, move the teachers and all the other employees in the front of the line and get them inoculated so that they could open the schools. And if, if so doing, we would save the difference between $228 million and $282 billion. It didn't make any sense. So when you start to dig into the bill, you start to find out that, well, wait a minute, the new bill has $170 billion for education. According to the Congressional Budget Office, we will spend $6 billion of that money this year, and the rest of it will be spread out between now and 2028. Why are we spreading appropriations to 2028 to deal with a real problem today? Because it isn't about COVID relief. It's about manipulating budget money to the benefit of the teachers' unions. That's one way the money's been misappropriated, in my opinion. It's not going to do anything about COVID relief. We could do it less expensively and more quickly by simply vaccinating all the public employees of the education system in the United States. But we, I wrote, a, I wrote a, a commentary several weeks ago, I may have sent it to you, on the $140 million expenditures for continuing funding of a disastrous tunnel being built in Silicon Valley to extend the BART rapid transit. 
$146 million. Has nothing to do with COVID relief. And I wrote about it, talked about it on the air, many shows. Finally, the Democrats decided to walk away from supporting that, even though it was in Nancy Pelosi's district. Number three, if you look at the bill and you look at some of the other expenditures, $440 billion for state, city, and county government relief. There's a problem, though, Tim. A, a report by Moody's showed that at the end of 2020, 45 states were either at or close to the level of revenue generated for their budgets as they were in 20, 2019, the most prosperous year in decades in the U.S. economy. They don't need the $440 billion. They don't need it because California, for example, has a $39 billion surplus before any funding. So there are, there are questions and questions that very few people are writing or talking about to expose the amount of pork in this bill. And uh, I'm – you know, one of the, the biggest issues was the $15 minimum wage. And it didn't pass. And it didn't pass because the Democrats don't have the majority. They only have the majority in a tie. And we had two senators in the Senate who said they would not support the bill if the $15 an hour was in there. There was nothing they could do to uh, intimidate, coerce, threaten or get these two Democratic senators to change their minds. So they took it out. In fact, Tim, if you think about it, look back over the promises made by the Biden campaign of things that they were going to do, and you're going to find out that they're already backing away or unable to fulfill the promises. That's my opinion right. of the 1.9, on top of which, Tim, Last Tuesday, the Government Accounting Office said there was still $1 trillion, $1 trillion that was appropriated in the CARES Act and the December bill that haven't been spent. 35 million Americans have still haven't received their checks for the CARES Act stimulus payment from last year. We don't know how many out of the, the uh, 600 in December. But the point is, and now we're going to go $1,400 more. One more set of numbers, and then I promise I won't talk about numbers. According <laughs> okay. to the Department of, of – of, oh, um, one of the departments in the government, the poverty level is about $25,000 of income. If you're above $25,000 in household income, you are ab above the minimum poverty level. So 25000 divided by 12 is a little over $2,000 a month. This is why I'm saying to you, Tim, there will be another and another and another more stimulus bills because the $1,400 payment in the poorest of communities will only go to pay three-quarters of one month's expenses, and then what are they going to do? So 
the the press that's touting this is a wonderful bill and it's going to save the economy, and the Democrats have positioned it as the the path to to independence and freedom and prosperity. Not going to be that way. So the question is, the Democrats really got to be thinking about. So d- dare we propose a fourth stimulus bill? So the credibility is being being hammered. Rasmussen recently reduced re, – they put a weekly report out on the approval rating of the president, and Joe Biden's got about a 50 percent to 49. What's important is that the 50 percent of the 50 percent who strongly support the president, 39 percent, but of the 50, 49 percent who don't support the president, 42 percent strongly do not support him. So he's been in office 48 days, and he's, he's worse off than Donald Trump at the end of Donald Trump's first term. Yeah. That's probably more than you wanted well, to know, Tim. No, no, no. That's exactly what I want to know. And uh, you're right, generally speaking, for radio and television, going to deep dive into the numbers, it's not sexy. People don't want to really pay that much attention. But unfortunately, if you're going to disseminate the information that really allows us to raise the questions that, that everyone should be asking, you really do have to take a look at those numbers. You have to go into it. You just hope people will stay attuned long enough to realize there's some major disparity here. I mean, uh, people right, should be right. asking, why is there still so much money from the previous bill uh, still left uh, unspent, supposedly? I think it's probably already mm-hmm. found its way into somebody's uh, uh, cashers and coffers. But uh, at the end of the day, there's PPP loans that were uh, had money set aside for that nobody claimed. Uh, there's the unsent right. checks, and there's – other things too but beyond that the point stands that they spent way more money this bill is little more than the so-called progressives wish list on steroids and there's some major payoffs to people that have supported the democratic party i'm not even going to say supported joe biden because joe biden is little more than a front man for these people right now and in fact i saw on newsmax last night that there are some rumblings that haven't been confirmed but are from uh, credible sources that there's already movement behind the scenes to trigger a removal of Joe Biden from office. It's just a question of when they're going to go ahead and make that change. I don't know if you've heard anything about those lines, but uh, I know from the very beginning uh, I was saying that it would not take long. I would be surprised if Biden made it uh, uh, past the first year of his uh, uh, so-called term uh, before being removed. I, I don't, I don't know how long he's going to be able to continue to be useful as that front for these folks. But uh, clearly, it's important to ask that question. We need to see this for what it is. And my fear is the overall harm that's going to continue to be done to the economy and this form. Uh, both in the uh, aspect of trying to continue to grow dependency on those checks with the segment of the population and with the continued Mm -hmm. devaluation of the dollar, Uh, not to mention the fact that all the so-called green policies are already devastating uh, this country's economy based on now the current cost of energy, which in turn raises Mm -hmm. the cost of everything else. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, and, and, and you're raising important issues. There are some people who believe that the reason why Biden has been so aggressive with his executive orders that there, that there are two reasons why. One, he doesn't think he has the legislative support. Remember that the COVID-19 bill was not done through the normal process. It was done through the reconciliation process. That's why the uh, the the, uh, uh, the Senate refused to include the fifteen dollars an hour because it was not part of budget resolution. It was never in the budget, uh, and, and in and of itself, it has no expenditure. But but what's going on is that they they realize that uh, given the fact that there are about a six vote majority in the House and no vote majority in the Senate following the tradition of history that the party in power in the first midterm election loses seats. Well, the Democrats only have to lose six, seven seats in the House and one seat in the Senate for the power to flip from the Democrats to the Republicans. So I believe they've probably written off the midterm election that they will not keep control of the House, and so they want to get as much of this progressive agenda as they possibly can on the books before the midterm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt this. Uh, we were familiar with the term Operation Warp Speed uh, from the previous administration, mm-hmm. which was all about trying to get uh, the uh, COVID-19 virus uh, vaccinations in place. Uh, we're now seeing mm-hmm. the Democrats answer to Operation Warp Speed, which is push as much stuff as we can as quickly as we can and hope nobody calls us out on it. Well, what's happening? What's what's? Uh, I wrote about this actually shortly after the election. Uh, I, I believe Mr. Trump did a lot of great things for the country, but one of the things that I think that he did more than anything else, which is very important, two issues. One, he was able to put three justices on the Supreme Court, and probably more important than that, he was able to get three hundred federal judges appointed. Why is that important? Because the Democrats have had control of the federal bench and things that they couldn't get passed in the Congress, they got legislated from the judicial bench. Now with 300 supposed conservative justices who are strict strict constructionists, you will see many of the policies, much like the Democrats did, early on in the Trump administration, filed lawsuits in, in district courts to get um, stays so that the policies couldn't be implemented. Well, that's, that's happening now on some major, major issues that Biden has put out by executive order, and they're already being challenged by 10, 12, 15, 20, 25 states. So they're using the, the judiciary to fight some of the things that Joe Biden has done. And, and one of them was this, uh, this uh, uh, issue of deportations where the Biden administration wanted to lift the restrictions and the court, court not only said that they were wrong, but they prohibited from doing that, period. And uh, they're not sure that they can appeal uh, up through the circuits or want to because of the, the judges that are in key – um, 
appellate divisions of, of the court system uh, that are conservative as opposed to being liberal. So um, this is a very tenuous position. I, I believe that the Democrats do not understand that the 75 million people that voted to elect Donald Trump president of the United States are not going to walk away. And the Democrats don't understand because they've always done it in the past. The Republicans, when they get defeated, walk away. And they're not walking away. And that creates a problem for the Democrats because they don't know how to deal with it. I mean, Joe Biden wanted to be the inclusive president, and he wanted everybody to get along, uh, including the dinosaurs. And and the, Schumer was out today criticizing the patriotism of the Republican Party. I mean, so they're not – they may have said they wanted to try and get along and create unity, but they're not doing anything at all to try and do that, and that's a problem. The other thing is we have a, a president – who, in my opinion, uh, created a situation that is a no-win situation for himself. The fact that he has not had a major news conference since he took over the office of presidency to stand up against the scrutiny of the press. He's going to have a speech tomorrow night, and there's supposedly going to be a question-and-answer period. If you watch the way he's been behaving over the last few weeks, Joe, Joe Biden, historically, as you watched him through the campaign, has a very, very short fuse when it comes to people criticizing him. And he's taking an enormous amount of risk doing this speech and question and answer session tomorrow, if it comes off. If he fails at the question and answer session, and he comes across as angry, vindictive, incoherent, can't put two words together, he is, his competency comes in question, he's in trouble. He's absolutely in trouble. But they've reached a point where they can't continue to hide him. I don't know how they're going to try and manipulate the news conference. There was a time shortly after he took office that there was, they tried out of the press office with Jen Psaki that all questions from the floor had to be submitted in advance of the session, and the, the reporters balked at that. So I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow night. I mean, if he, if he falters, um, I would expect to see the market crash on Friday. Yeah, I, that's certainly a, a risk that I don't think very many people have really put much thought into, but uh, yeah, it's certainly plausible. Uh, I think the Democrats see it as a win-win either way because you know there's several folks in the party that are chomping at the bit to go ahead and move forward with his removal, uh, but they also like having this guy that they've managed to convince at least somewhere close to half of the country that he's a moderate to be the face of all this uh, super left-leaning uh, policy that they're pushing forward. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, the the people that end up losing are the American people. Uh, businesses you are going to take a hit, and, and again, doesn't seem to be the concern of the elected officials. 
uh, mostly the folks with the D at the end of the name, and a few that have an R at the end of the name don't seem much more concerned either at this point. It's the sad part. Mm. Hmm. That's true. It's very true. And and so it, it, it's a situation that uh, what what disturbs me more than anything else that we've talked about so far tonight is the discussion about HR1. And right. this this legislation that looks like it can pass the House, although the pundits think it's going to have a very difficult time in the Senate, um, this this is a this is a way in which the Democrats will guarantee what happened in 2020 will happen in perpetuity, that the Republicans will never win the presidency again, and uh, along with a bunch of other things. But it's very scary about how they're trying to circumvent the Constitution and the things that they want to do, that they've decided that they can do it without the constitutional process. And, you know, under the Constitution, the states determine the process for election, not the federal government. Even in federal elections, the state is in charge. And they want to bring all that power away from the states and bring it to the central government. Um, we're, we're looking at basically trying to take the central government and create – a bureaucracy that controls our life. If you look at what they're trying to do with the the school funding and the budgets and the and the, uh, cities, counties, and states, all that money, uh, money going overseas, billions and billions of dollars going overseas, um, it's because the Democrats want to solidify their power, and they've got to expand their majority because it's very tenuous. And you have certain in the Senate, certain Democratic senators who are opposed to some portions of the Democratic radical left agenda. So they got to change things. And this is their opportunity to under H.R. 1 to try and do that. Yeah, I mean, H.R. Uh, 1 literally takes all of the absolute worst policies that were instituted, uh, many of which were instituted illegally uh, within their states. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, right. not, not that that's worth hearing a, a, at the uh, court level for some reason, but uh, I'll digress mm-hmm. from there. Uh, it's going to take all the worst practices, and it really is going to make it impossible to ever have any true faith in any election because there's way too many points of egress for any type of of manipulation that you want. They want to make it uh, voter uh, harvesting to be uh, perfectly legal across the entirety of the country, and uh, they want to uh, allow mail-in voting for any reason, uh, no matter what. They want to extend early voting to a larger period, and they want day of election voter registration. And uh, it doesn't matter if your mail-in ballot gets there uh, as much as uh, – is I forget, is it 10 or 15 days after the election in H.R. 1? I want to say 10, but now I'm thinking maybe I saw something else. Maybe that was a different bill. But regardless, uh, it completely turns every election uh, into more of a farce than a choice. And as you've mm-hmm. already said, 
the whole thing is completely and totally unconstitutional. So that goes back to what you were right. saying earlier about the importance of all those federal judges that Trump put in place that actually believe in the Constitution. That could be the only thing that saves us because even though we do have those Democratic senators that are kind of uh, against this idea, we've already seen where Joe Manchin himself was very much against the uh, the uh, supplemental bill here, the uh, for the people bill as they were calling it. Uh, mm-hmm. He still managed to go along with it, so we we can't count on any of these people to actually stand up to stop them. HR one is something we right. could see become a reality, hopefully not. And as scary as that is, we've got some other bills like the Pro Act that's been brought back up. Hopefully that doesn't mm-hmm. make it, but it could. And it would be mm-hmm. very dangerous for the economy, and not not even to mention the effort at full-on gun control. And they don't care at all about the Constitution for any of these. Right. You're absolutely correct. And, 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 and because they don't care about the Constitution, they don't care about whether it's constitutionally legal or not. It's like the, the, the Constitution has specific language for the uh, removal of the president of the United States. It's an impeachment process. And yet the Congress impeached a private citizen. They impeached the former president of the United States and held a trial. It's not important that they lost the trial. What's, what the people should be concerned about is that the Congress, the House, Nancy Pelosi ignored the law of the land described in the Constitution of the United States. And when the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, who is by constitutional directive to be the trial judge for a presidential impeachment, refused to serve, then the message should have been clear to a lot of Democrats. He's saying it's not constitutional. And so we have a, a party that has decided that the Constitution is no longer valid, so they don't have to do what it says. And the Democrats, who were quick to impeach the president with no hearings, no evidence, no right to face their accusers, none of this was done. Uh, the the Democrats have decided that they don't care about the Constitution. If you don't care about it, then you're not going to have any situation where uh, you're going to be subject to the Constitution if it doesn't meet your objectives. So the whole idea that we can abandon the Constitution because we don't like what it says, we don't like what it wants to do, uh, the only thing we can depend upon, hopefully, is the court system, the third leg of the three-legged stool of governing in the United States. And I don't know how firm the foundation of that three-legged stool is. Yeah. And that is ultimately going to be the uh, 
$50,000 question, as they used to say. Uh, with inflation, I'm sure it's about a $100 million question now. But uh, it, the entire future of the republic is at stake, and, and that's not an overestimation. It's not hyperbole. Uh, it really is the true destruction of the republic as she was founded if these things are allowed to continue and the constitution becomes moot. We, we can't – have that and continue to have individual liberty in this country, which you know, I, I don't uh, affirm that motivation on every actor that's pushing this agenda, I, but I do believe that there's a, at least a small number of folks behind the scenes that are pushing this agenda, that that is mm-hmm. what their end goal is. Uh, and then they've managed to get a lot of stupid people elevated around them that are doing their bidding, thinking they're doing something good. Uh, a lot of folks mm-hmm. right now are filling the bill of the useful idiot. Uh, their language, not mine, but it, if it fits, it fits. Uh, it's a very scary time for the country, and uh, this last election uh, was – no hyperbole. It was the most important election uh, in our nation's history, and unfortunately, there was manipulation. And while, of course, there wasn't widespread voter fraud, as they like to call it, there was just enough mm-hmm. in just enough key places uh, that that's mm-hmm. ultimately all you needed. And we saw how that played yeah. out. It, it doesn't have to be so widespread. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I, I apologize for interrupting you. I, I was just going to reiterate what you were saying, and I said I, – I, I talked about this right after the election. I said, how is it that we can have a person sitting at a desk and opens the drawer of his desk and finds ballots for Joe Biden? And, no, and nobody in the news media asks the question, how did they get into that desk in the first place? What is it with ballot security that it was in the desk? Nobody asked. And, and I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to postulate a little here. As I've, if I've looked back over the last year and the election and other things, this is what I've come to as not a justification but a, an understanding of why things have gone the way they've gone. I think that we are suffering from COVID-19 fatigue and depression. Mm-hmm. And I think that there are hundreds of millions of people who really don't know what to do. They're getting their shots or they're trying to get their shots and they can't get their shots. But they lived in a situation where they were told they shouldn't leave their house. They shouldn't see their children or grandchildren. They shouldn't go to restaurants and bars, and they shouldn't go outside, and they shouldn't meet with their neighbors and friends. They were to say, stay sequestered. That was an enormous toll. The CDC reported about two months ago that about one in four, 25%, one in four Americans reported to having severe anxiety or depression about what's going on in their country. The, the CDC changed positions so many times that I think that the confidence level of the American people in the medical community, in the scientific community, it, it is at 
incredibly low levels. Uh, I, I talked to a doctor today on one of my shows, and we were talking about that we were told last week, well, if you've had your shots, you can go visit your grandchildren, and you don't have to have social distancing, and you don't have to wear your masks. One week later, we're told, no, you need to wear your masks, and you should practice social distancing, even though there's probably no chance uh, of the children being able to communicate it to you or that there are people in the house that might have severe conditions that would make them susceptible to COVID-19. So when, when, you, when you are getting ready to go out the door and they're saying, nope, can't do that, you're going to have to come back in, and now we're talking about, well, we probably – we probably are not going to be able to vaccinate children and probably until late 2021 to 2022. And a doctor last night said, you're talking about testing a vaccine on children who are not at risk, substantial risk to get the the virus and, and suffer catastrophic from it. Are we, are we a society that now that's turning and experimenting on our children? We shouldn't do that. So that you're getting more and more medical people from independent universities that are beginning to disagree with what's going on and what's being said by Dr. Fauci and the people from the CDC. And so that all creates a turmoil in the mind of the American people who are not sophisticated about this virus and as a result, uh, don't know what to do. I mean, you have a problem in the minority communities of a reluctance to want to take the vaccination for various reasons, the way they've been used and abused by the pharmaceutical industry and the government in testing. Uh, they don't trust the government. They don't trust the pharmaceutical companies. Forty-two percent of blacks say they will consider the, the vaccine but that means that 58% of blacks are not considering it. Native Americans are, are close, and um, Hispanic Americans, about 60%, are, are indicated in getting the vaccine. But, you know, I, Tim, I try, I don't always succeed, but I, to, I try to look at things from a bigger picture standpoint. Sometimes that's hard to do. And sometimes it's easy to do. Let me give you a bigger picture issue. Right now, the World Health Organization says 130 nations of the world have no vaccine in their possession. And none of their residents have received any shots. 130 nations. That's close to 3 billion people. I'm raising the question. If we have 2 to 3 billion people that currently have no access to the vaccine and we don't know when or if they ever will, what is the possibility that the vaccine mutates into something much more violent than what it is today, and what is the value of the vaccines that we have in the United States 
to fight some stronger variation of COVID-19. I have not seen anybody, Tim, raise the issue that I just raised. I'm saying it, it didn't, hasn't happened. I just haven't seen it anywhere in, on the Internet, any of the search engines, nothing. But it's something that I'm thinking about and I'm wondering about. And, and we, we know we have the South African in the United States. We know we have the British. We don't know what else is there. And so I'm concerned that we have a false sense of security because we're going to get vaccinated. But I, I just I think that that could be a fool's approach because I don't think we're, again, getting uh, – we don't have enough research. We don't have enough experience with these two vaccines to know, yeah. one, how long they're going to last. I know that, that we're dealing with the, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that are approximately 95% effective. But, Tim, let me point out that if we have 327 million people in the United States and we take out the children 17 and under, it's about 72 million. So we've got over 250 million people, and you take 5% of those 250 million, assuming they all get vaccinated, which is probably not a good assumption, but if they did, 5% are not going to have protection that's like 12 million people, number one. Number two, how do you know? We can give you a test right. to see whether you have the COVID-19, but if you've had the vaccination, how do you know if it's taken? You won't know until you're tested to see if you actually have the virus. And if you do, we know the CDC told us two weeks ago that they can directly account Statistically, about 50 people who have died from the COVID-19 virus. But in the same release, they're saying anecdotally, we believe it's probably closer to 11,000. Now, not a big number out of 325 million people. But my point is, we've got proof of 50, but we suspect it's more like 11,000. How do we trust the numbers, Tim? How do you and I trust the numbers? And so we have the, the government, the CDC, has politicized the vaccines, politicized the viruses, and we have politicized the process of disseminating real useful information to the American people. How long ago was it? Oh. The Dr. Fauci said we didn't need a mask. Then he suggested that we wear it. And within the last two weeks, what has he said? Two would be better? <laughs> right. Well, it's, where was, it's been where almost, was he a year ago when he, was, when he said we don't need it at all? So these are the, what, right. the, what the bureaucrats don't understand, Tim, is that the American people hear this and they don't know who or what to believe. My wife is a highly educated medical professional who served in her profession for 25 years. And I said to her, we've had the shots, both shots. I said to her, we were, we were planning to go up to Orlando to have some of our kids, and we were going to common ground, and that didn't happen. That fell apart tonight. And so we invited one 
two, two of the three children to bring their families and come to stay here in Sanibel. And they're thinking about it. Would that be at separate times? And I said to her tonight at dinner, I said, let me ask you a question. Are we going out to dinner when they come down here? No. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to eat all of our meals here. Now, all, all the families have had the vaccinations. My wife and I have had the vaccinations. But she's still not comfortable with going to a restaurant to eat a meal. And this is after all of this uh, political crap that's been coming out of the CDC. And she said to me last week when I showed her another story, I don't know who to believe. I don't know who to believe. She think, I think she is representative of tens of millions of Americans who just don't know who to believe or what to do. So what do we do? We stay locked down and we eliminate social interactions. And now it's, it's a year, Tim. It's a year we've lived this way. Yeah. And we still have states that have everything locked down. We have states, we have states where the vaccine process is, is a nightmare. Um, people, my two sisters live in Ohio. They're still dealing with 75 and up, 75 and up. Florida, where I live now, it's 65 and higher. But we have a situation. I live on a small island out in the Gulf of Mexico, and this is a more of a senior community. And we have a lot of friends who are physically not capable to stand online or to wait next to their telephone for hours on end to try and get an appointment. So they've given up. And yet they're, they're the most vulnerable to expose. And our government hasn't figured out a way, hasn't figured out a way to deal with those people who are homebound and can't get out. They don't even know who they are, much less trying to figure out how to get them, get somebody to them. And I've, I've been to the city council and talked about this, talked to the council people. And uh, so we're, st- we're still trying to figure out after a year. You know, that's one thing. I'm, I apologize for getting on my high horse here. Donald Trump <laughs> told us that Operation Warp Speed, that his, his goal – his goal was to try and have a vaccine by the end of the year. He told everybody that. That's what he was doing. And he was giving us progress reports on what had happened. And it happened. We got FDA approval, albeit emergency approval, on, on two vaccines to be used. And we started inoculating people. The guy who was in charge in – I live in Lee County, Florida. In, in, in early February – was put in charge of the, the inoculation stations of trying to get people through, he said, I have no idea what to do. I'm saying, wait a minute. Everybody in the government, state, state, city, county, federal, knew that we were on track to try and get a virus, a vaccine available for this virus by the end of the year. Did you have six months to begin to create a plan of how you were going to get it in people's arms? Yes. Did you do anything? No. What, what is, what's wrong with the government that it can't figure out one of the most basic needs is that you've got to get a shot in everybody's arm to get it done and to still try and figure out how 
to get it done. And in many states, they're still dealing with it, trying to how to get it done, just as they were with the testing. It's, it was just, it, to me, it was a public health disaster and a nightmare, and it still is. And, and well, the other I, thing, I, which is what we just, go ahead. I'm no, sorry. go ahead, finish. I just no, finish say, your thought. My, my going back to the thought I had just a few minutes ago. We don't know what's going to happen to those 130 nations who have no vaccines, what the long-term implications to our country as that vaccine, as that virus, whatever the new mutations are going to be, are going to come to our country. Nobody's paying attention. Yeah, you're right. Uh, there's very little conversation, if any, in regards to how quickly that mutation is occurring and what the ultimate ramifications are going to be. Um, and more to your point about the failures uh, of the public service issue here is, first and foremost, I think this is in a case where too many people, uh, elected officials, were listening to the legacy media that were constantly trying to tell everybody that there's no way the vaccine happens that quickly anyway. So a lot of them probably mm-hmm. thought they had well into the future before they even had to worry about it. But then to follow up on that… Uh, too many people then decided that it needed to fall on to the uh, responsibility of some elected officials a- instead of letting them actually trust those healthcare professionals who have been doing this kind of work for a long time and would have already a fundamental understanding of how do you get the most people vaccinated as quickly as possible and how do you prioritize or shall we say triage uh, who should be going first who needs to be there uh, way too many politicians had their hands in this the, the primary mistake this became a political issue instead of a health issue and that's where the failures came we are quickly running out of time dan so before we do anything else i want to give you a chance real quick to remind everybody where they can find your work the books are available at amazon.com or you can order them through your local bookstore there are four books in the in the four books in the trilogy of the brotherhood of the red nile actually a trilogy plus a sequel um the website for me is danperkins.guru, the foundation website, songs and stories for soldiers.us. Um, and I have uh, on danperkins.guru a lot of the blogs. I also now do a weekly uh, commentary on, uh, on SoundCloud. comes out every Wednesday. So you can go to soundcloud.com and look for my name and what's on my mind. And... Um, I'm continuing to write. I finished the Lincoln book, and I'm almost completed a book on my first romance novel, and um, I'm keeping busy. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty much a given at all times. I trust that America's Cannabis Conversations is still going strong as well. We just crossed – we started, Tim, in October of 2019 – as a podcast, a downloadable podcast. And the first week we had six downloads. As of March 1st, our trackable audience is about 2.6 million listeners a month. And we're on a bunch of other channels that we can't track how many people are listening. So it's, it's exploding. We've got, uh, we have a national, national sponsor right now bringing on another one probably in the next, uh, they've signed up today. And we're looking at an, another huge national sponsor probably in the next month or so. So 
That's americascannabisconversation.com. And um, it's a great show. It's, if you go to w420radionetwork.com, you can see all the places that it's playing today and probably find any time of the day you want to listen to it. All right. Well, Dan, as always, uh, there's just not enough time to cover everything I would love to get into with you. You've got a great perspective on so many things, which is also part of what sets you apart from the the rest of the crowd, sir. Thank you so much again for joining us. Uh, And as always, please keep up the good work. And I look forward to us getting together uh, again early next month. Thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure to be with you. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that is, of course, Mr. Dan Perkins. Uh, He gave you all that information, but there is a link in the show description at BTR uh, that will take you to Dan Perkins Guru uh, if you just – want to click that and follow it rather than uh, put it into your search bar on its own. In the meanwhile, that's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Thanks once again to Chief, host of Simple Facts of Life, for hanging out with me for the entirety of the two hours. Uh, Glad to have you here, sir, as always. Uh, Shout out to Crazy Cajun, who popped in for a little bit and then popped back out about the time Ron left, Uh, but uh, glad to have him back in the chat room. Been a little while since he's been here, and uh, thank you, every last one of you, uh, you great listeners out there who take – this time out of your schedules to listen to what this little meandering guy has to say. Uh, I know it's mostly for the great guests, but I appreciate you being here just the same. I like to pretend it has something to do with me, even though uh, uh, Chief normally reminds me very quickly that, no, probably not. (laughs) And rightfully so. All right. Uh, We will be back Friday night. Uh, Two more great guests scheduled, and uh, we'll just have to, for now, say good evening. Uh, But remember, whatever else you do, uh, whatever else you take from this show, please don't take a single word that I've said uh, to heart. Uh, Don't take my word for any of it. But please, please don't believe the leftist and the mainstream legacy media either, not at face value. Be prepared to do your own homework and more importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Meanwhile, stay safe, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, be smart, even if it goes against your nature. Yeah, thank you, Chief. (laughs) I'm out for now. Have a great night, then we'll see you Friday night. Final one.
is using both hands. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.